Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Oh no, the vacuum just... Okay, so if you can't tell by the the sound of the vacuum in the next room, we are on location at the Comfort Inn in Alton, Illinois. (laughs) The beautiful Comfort Inn. Yep, and once again we are... The comfortable Comfort Inn. We are joined by Allison Jorlin from Milwaukee Ghosts. Hi! Hi, everybody! Hi, Allison. (laughs) And Allison uh, called me a couple weeks ago and she said she wanted to go to the Haunted America Conference. Yeah, like I do... I want to go every year. And so we decided to come down and check it out. Yeah. I, I actually haven't been for a number of years, but this year, I guess they were back here last year and I missed a memo or something, but this year they're back in Alton, Illinois. Yep. And this is the conference that's run by Troy Taylor from... Uh, the American Ghost Society. Yep. And, and, and Troy's th- written like maybe 1,000 books. On ghosts. <laughs> I he don't know, pretty many. This is, this is a whole heap of books. But he's the guy that really got everything started in Illinois as far as uh, in this area when it comes to ghost tours and books and, th- right, and things in, like that. in southern Illinois. And so, uh, Alton was the longtime home of the conference. Yep. And, and so if you're, uh, we, we were in Alton before in March of 2015. That's right, yes. We came here for the first date of the El Chupacabra tour. Yep. <laughs> and, Classic. Uh, and played at Mavas in Alton, Illinois, and interviewed Alton Ghost's own Luke Nalaborski. That's right. That's right. He was here um, we this him. weekend. Yeah. He was. We saw him. A good, good Polish man. Real and nice guy. I remember at the interview, or the last time around, I remember him talking about the Ghost Conference. So mm-hmm. we actually so we were happy to make it this year. Yeah. And uh, Len Adams was back from um, Lebanon Ghost Tours, Lebanon, Illinois. And, uh, it's not like Beirut, Lebanon, so yeah. you don't have to worry that somebody's going to blow you up. No, no, but but it's it's spooky, you know, maybe not not as um, scary as not far as, as not you know, as murderous, not 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 as explosive maybe. But uh, I heard we we didn't get to actually see the Friday events because we came in late on Friday and we missed Luke and Len. The panel discussion. Yeah, they, they had. well before that they talked about strange stuff. So I don't mm. don't know. What strange stuff? I mean, we know what strange <laughs> stuff means. Yeah, well, st- well, the the conference for years and years would begin with strange stuff, and I forget the gentleman's name. There was was a gentleman who originally would deliver the talk for years and years and years, and, and he was quite elderly, and and now he's probably dead. Yeah, he did. He is deceased. Aww. Okay, and so so Luke and and. Len took it over. Okay. And then this was their first reprisal of, of the strange, strange stuff. Of thing. the strange stuff ah. opener to the conference. So if you guys don't know where Alton, Illinois is, we are by um, St. Louis. So what about 20 miles from St. Louis, I think? We're yeah. right across the bridge and we're on the Mississippi River. So it's part of the Great River Road. So. Yeah. So I didn't want to, I, I mean, I really hated St. Louis when I was a kid because they beat the Brewers Aww. in the 1982 World Series. <laughs> How and dare I, I really was upset about this for uh, at least a good, probably until second grade. From kindergarten to second grade, I was at least pretty upset about this. And uh, I'm, when the Brewers lost the World Series, I cried. <laughs> Oh, really? And I had yeah. no idea. And, and it's actually the single... That's because you never paid attention to me when I was a child. Well, and I'm completely oblivious to sports. But this is the only sports event that Mike has repeatedly brought up. Oh, it's yeah. not only the only sports event he's ever talked about, he's but he's talked about... He's got so many skeletons it. in his closet. It's, it's just pathetic. like, if he goes into sports, I know it's going to be something with the Brewers and the, the Cardinals <laughs> or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, so, like, even the fact that we're this close to St. Louis hurts me deep. We were in. We even crossed the border yesterday. We, we did. went into Missouri. So yeah, we did. Got to get your Thai food. That's right. <laughs> but the Haunted America Conference yes, was pretty cool. Yeah, and and we're gonna get into it and and we recap so, uh, yes. the many very interesting speakers. It was excellent. Yep. And talk about the vendors as well. So we didn't get until eleven o'clock on Friday night. Yeah. So we made it for the most important part of the conference. The party. <laughs> 
Well, I went to bed, but you guys yeah. partied. You were at the party for a while. Oh, well, yeah, for a little. Come bit. on, let's let's not, <laughs> Allison. You partied too. Okay, yeah. and it's okay to it's okay to party every once in a while. Okay. I drank my limit in water. Yeah. <laughs> you did. And but I the, tried to drink my limit in beer, but they like <sighs> they they made it. They like they closed. But it was only two dollar beers. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Like two dollar, like two dollar beers. Now it's a party. The anyway. water was free, free water. Everybody, amazing. Yeah. It's like wall drug. <laughs> that's free ice water. I know. That's really incredible. The only problem is it has no alcohol in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. I noticed so, that. So we made some friends at the party, and we saw some people that we already knew. Yep. Yeah, talk so about that. Was that exciting. Because you guys, you guys are like conference vets now. Because. You were at the paradigm. You're like totally in with the in crowd. Well, it's exciting because this is this is only the third paranormal convention that I've ever been to. I know, and the you're already one. like like right there with the upper crust, and I'm going to bed early. No, no, no. <laughs> but but it is fun that now. So the first one was Milwaukee last year, about oh, a year right. ago. Yeah. And then the paradigm one that we were just at in April, and then now this one. But it's fun to start seeing people that. You're just recognizing people from other conferences and stuff. It's like, yeah, hey, you're going to ha- have to give us that newbie perspective. I mean, what what it's like for you, you know. Coming, oh, oh coming that's right, because you're arena. a veteran. How many times have you been to this one? I don't even know. A lot. Um, you need a punch I've, card. Uh, yeah, because I... Cause I um, <laughs> you are was, the, was, the Chinese buffet regular. I, I think I started coming to Troy's events like around the year 2000. Wow. So... You know, I haven't gone every year since then, but but I've I'm been sure you probably several, yeah. I, I bet you saw familiar faces because a lot of the yeah. people that I talked to were like, "Oh, I've been coming to this forever." Right, I you did. Know? There, there are some a lot people of Cardinals who, fans who were in it from the beginning. That's cool, and it's cool that there's enough to talk about and enough news from year to year. Yeah, and this was actually the twentieth. We had a long discussion in the yeah. car as well. So is it, is is it, it the twentieth anniversary or is it the twentieth anniversary? Is the twentieth conference? And we're not going to go into no, to all that because no. it's just too we, complicated. We've been through it. Yeah, yeah right. it hurts my brain. The fact is, if you count your fingers, this is the twentieth. <laughs> oh no! Conference, here we go. But it's not the twentieth anniversary. Right. Okay. And so I got into a fist fight with somebody about that. <laughs> Party on Friday. We, we talked about we talked about and he was like, "This is the twentieth anniversary." I'm like, "No, sir, this is the twentieth conference, not yeah. the twentieth anniversary." And you got belligerent as you usually do. Well, what happened was fisticuffs. Yes. <laughs> All right. So with I, cursed objects, you, the, cur- the you know, you pulled oh, out your cursed blade. We'll get to the cursed objects, <laughs> but back to the newbie perspective. Yeah, yeah. What's cool is that these con or con. Conventions? Conferences? Yeah, conference, yeah. These con... Conventions? Like she just just discovered the word. Okay. They're unconventions. Oh. (laughs) Man, I need my sound effects. (laughs) We're a little bit tired today. Yeah, it's Sunday morning after the haunted American Sunday morning. Let's not forget, we just had our fill of buffet. Like breakfast... They had waffles. Yeah. yeah. And then I had lots of leftovers. Yeah. From Thai food so and Mexican food. and We basically doubled our weights. Anyway. Yeah. And yeah. I'm hurting right now. I'm like 360 <laughs> pounds right now. Showing a lack of intestinal fortitude <laughs> at this very moment. The thing that I've found fun is that these conferences, you think a paranormal conference, they're all going to be kind of the same. They're totally different. Like each one has its own personality and feel and... I don't know. Do you think that too? No, I definitely think that each one is, is different in a way. And what I liked about this one is that Troy Taylor was a slave driver to the schedule. Yes. Yeah. And so he, he, he just like, he's like, okay, 15 minutes. But they crammed if a lot you're of late, stuff. You're done. <laughs> they crammed so much into the day, which which I thought was great because he was you know, a really good timekeeper, yeah. which is so hard to do. It is. Yes, yeah, so, no, it's, it's super difficult and not mm-hmm. easy. And so he did a he did a great job of that, and it just it really kept to what they said it was going to be. And I thought that the speakers here were excellent, but the character is different at each one, and I think that's the cities make a difference it definitely too. Definitely does. So yeah. like this is. You know, we were making jokes about Huckleberry Finn. <laughs> right, because of the Mississippi River. Right. So, so that's how we got here, actually, from Wisconsin. On a raft. So we took a raft down from Wisconsin. <laughs> and that's how we got here on Friday. And that's why we didn't get here till 11. We want, well, you know, it took longer, but it was worth it. Getting well, here the traditional way. <clears throat> but we were making jokes right. about Huckleberry Finn, but it's the summertime. Alton, Illinois, it's 90,000 degrees. It is. And uh, it's what? What would you say the humidity is? A thousand percent? It was fifty yesterday. <laughs> the dew point, you mean? The the humidity was fifty percent. 
Oh, wow. Which means that 50% of the air is water. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like swimming, basically. Basically. We, we're we're um, like uh, evolving to have gills. That's right. Yes, at this point. I feel like a little ridge. I think part of it is the time throat. of year and the fact is, is, I mean, summer in St. Louis is different than uh, October in Milwaukee or Chicago. Mm-hmm. Definitely a, a different feel. Yeah. But I think some of this feel came from the fact that it's 20 years old and people had come here for years and years. So like, oh, this, is, this is my 17th, you yeah. know, this is my 17th conference. And there are groups of friends, yeah. people from different cities that knew yeah. each other from And they completely this. isolated us and treated us poorly. No. <laughs> no, not no. at all. No, family everybody, was, everybody was great, everybody I thought. Was great. Too nice, in fact. Yeah, <laughs> I don't trust them. <laughs> like, they're, they're reptilian nice. <laughs> So we got in at 11 o'clock, went to the Masquerade Bowl, had some beers, talked to some people, had some fun. Ate a bunch of Chex Mix. Yeah, we ate a lot of Chex Mix. Uh, saw a cloud shaped like a skull. It was obviously a skull, and that was a sign. Over the moon. Yep. Yep. We'll put that picture up. And we'll put the pictures up. We'll put, there'd be a variety of pictures. Yes. Oh, the, the, the skull over the moon. A startling example of pareidolia. <laughs> Look yes. it up, people. So the first speaker on Saturday... Was Alan Brown. Oh, yeah. Who did Haunted Bed and Breakfasts. And that was pretty fun, I thought. Like, um, he did take a lot. We'll have Alan on the podcast because he writes a book about a week about all these, uh, the places that he's been to. And he's a, a Southerner himself. And so they've been down to Louisiana. Um, he did a, a long, pres- long part about the Myrtles, where we have our own episode oh, right. about the Myrtles. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, but it was fun. Like he took his passion for staying at bed and breakfasts and uh, traveling with his wife and they they go around from place to place and they just try to stay at haunted bed and breakfast. Yeah, which is something I do (laughs) as often as I can. That's cool. So it's fun to see a kindred spirit up there. Yeah. You know, talking about different um, places that you can visit. And, you know, his thing was that a lot of these haunted places you can't get into, uh, but bed and breakfasts are always available as a viable alternative as, as long as you, you know. Don't pay. mind getting tucked in by somebody dead. <laughs> yeah, and you can pay the tab for uh, the bed and the breakfast. You know, you're, you're in. That's cool. Yeah, so that was that was pretty fun, I thought. What was the coolest story he had? Well, he talked a lot about the Myrtles, and then the, he had some, he relied a little bit on, or like, when he took oh. photos, he's like, whoa, just check out this orb. And you know how I feel about orbs. Right, you got a like, personal vendetta against orbs. Well, come on, we all do, because they're all oh. BS. I almost, ran, <laughs> oh, okay, I, almost, I almost ran up to the screen, and I'm like, you you had me at your good storytelling, and you seem like a nice guy. Oh, man, he's coming out strong against orbs. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to apologize. And Troy, okay. <laughs> Troy didn't apologize when he talked about orbs either. That's true. He was in, the oh, mi- he was in Mike's part. camp. Yeah, of the man, the man, the man that hates orbs, Troy Taylor. Wow. He, he even hates cameras. <laughs> yeah, he or no, I'm sorry, it was digital cameras. <laughs> we'll get to that. Hates but, everything digital. But the thing is, I thought that uh, they just had nice stories of like, well, we, we didn't really see anything, but we got some pictures and we had a good time. And he, he did a good job of separating. You He's just like, made it sound really boring. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was like he had some nice stories. There was nothing really haunted, but I mean, it was like nice. Hundred and ten years old, right? Like, like, so he came here, and <laughs> this is what he found, and back in aught too. And then he had some blueberries with his oatmeal. Um, <laughs> and there's nothing really haunted or anything, but the stories were nice. But he sat in a rocking chair while the sun went down. Okay, all right. Oh so it was a nice. Um, but it just seemed like a a pleasant thing and he made all of the places sound fun a lot of mississippi a lot in the, the south yeah and a lot of plantations right I, I think you know the powerful part of his presentation was you know when he got historical and you know talked about you know a lot of these antebellum mansions for instance so mm-hmm. that's you know the part of it that i enjoyed the most and the accessibility and i understand you know the whole uh, drive to to get to get something on film, and you know when you get something uh, unusual, you want to share it. So, so it was an orb. I mean, it, 
uh, I, I think we got to be careful because I, I feel the same way you do about too many orb photos. But, you know, I have my own orb photos. And sure, I got to say, when I first started getting them, you know, I was really enthused. I was really like, wow, I captured something. My first orb photo, you know. And, and so we just have to understand that people are reaching out to the paranormal. And, you know, they're hoping they're get, they'll get something back. A lot of times it's pareidolia, dust, whatever. But I appreciated the effort. And, you know, he had an interesting one with an orb on a chair, you know? maybe, maybe Like the orb was, was sitting on a chair. I, I'm just saying. Just hanging out. It, it yeah, was a, right the orb, on, like, waving it, to it. It looked like it was sitting on the chair. I, I, I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying <laughs> that that was a cool-looking photo. No, it's true. And I'm not I'm not passing judgment on the man. I'm passing judgment on orb photos. On right. the orb photo. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but he's, he's written a ton of books about all these places. Yeah. And I think it's exciting to... And does to, he have can, a university background, Mike? Yeah, he's, like, he's a doctor. Wow. Oh, so that's he, right. Yeah. And so he's, he's an English professor at, at a university. Because he gave me his card yesterday. Because so, like, oh, we should have you in the so podcast. So he's a PhD, you mean? That kind of doctor? Yeah. No, he didn't. Like um, <laughs> he didn't operate on you. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't operate on me, or like give me like a colonoscopy or anything like yeah. that. Or, or okay. take out your your bothersome mental parts. No, right. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. That's yeah. right. But the haunted bed and breakfast sounds like a fun thing, and I always wanted to like have a list on Airbnb or something of these are all haunted places that people can go to visit. So maybe one day we'll create that. Yeah. But I think it's exciting to be. Hey, these are the different haunted places yeah. you can stay in, in different cities and in regions and things. And so if that's your thing, here are places you can go. Right. So it was very user-friendly and yeah. helpful, and he was a very interesting guy. Yeah. So that was Alan Brown, and he's, he's written some books, and we'll put a link to him. Uh, the next up was Paranormal Sarah, Sarah Soderland. We saw her at the Paradigm Symposium yep. as well. And she was basically talking about the psychology of the occult. Right. Why we're attracted to these things. Why are we interested in it? She had a very conservative, like Baptist background kind of thing where she grew up in Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. And she's like, right and she even said, a, the bridge. she even said, that, you know, talked about the show me state, whatever, a bunch of times. And, um, yeah. I don't know. So, but the psychology of the occult kind of thing. And she's a, she's a good speaker. I missed that one because I was hobnobbing with That's in right. the vendor area. Yeah, she was in the vendor area trying yeah. to get good deals. By the way, A plus for the vendor area. That was yeah. one of the most fun vendor yeah. rooms. I mean, there were a lot of interesting books and and, and the raffle. Oh yeah, there were a lot of things I really wanted to win. Man, yeah. there was the this, raffle. Okay, so for the raffle, they had a raffle, and <laughs> I mean, some of it was like books by like a bunch of crazies, but the. Ra- <laughs> Oh my wow. gosh, Mike. What? What are you... Oh. <laughs> but some of it was awesome stuff. Like they had this table that was a, a Ouija board on top of the table. Like painted on the table. Painted on the table. Yeah. But it was a Ouija board of Edgar Allan Poe. And it said Nevermore. Yeah, I really wanted that one. I put, put a whole bunch of raffle tickets in there. Yeah, yeah, we were rooting for you, Allison. We were. Yeah, but I'm glad I didn't win it because really we would have had to tie it to the roof. Well, you would have had to leave one of us behind. Yeah, I would have had to. Yeah, <laughs> but, I left. My, I would have left Mike behind. Oh, it would have been, I've accepted that. <laughs> yeah, I'd have been like, this was is so cool. This is totally worth it. Like, yeah. I, I shouldn't. I, sh- I don't deserve a you place in the home. car when Edgar Allan Poe has a place in the car. Right. <laughs> I agree. So no, I wouldn't walk home. That's like the Oregon Trail out there. It's ninety <laughs> degrees. It's really warm. I would have died by dysentery by the time I get halfway through Illinois. Okay, so back to the vendor room. Yes, let's describe it a little, shall we? Give a visual. Yeah, yeah. So we have all these things for the raffle. This Edgar Allan Poe table. Oh, what else? Oh, they had like some creepy stuff too, like oh, this dolls. old suitcase full of body just parts, decrepit doll parts. Yeah, disgusting. Yes, and. Okay, so I put my raffle ticket in for that. Card. Right, because <laughs> and, a suitcase full uh, of doll parts you? is fun oh, on the way home. And some some of the stuff that was at, um, I, I think April April Slaughter, who was here at the conference and did some events here, uh, some after hours events. She's an artist. She's a writer. She was amazing, and um, she creates like these customized painted skulls. And so you could get one. It's like a three hundred dollar 
value. And so that was one of the prizes. And but They're not I, real human skulls, though. I don't know. That uh, was a question yeah, I, I had. Either. I wonder. I, I, I don't know. They, wow, they look real. Selling, they look that's a good real selling anyway. point, isn't it? Like, well, it's, it's probably a real human skull. <laughs> we, and it's fresh, too. We, <laughs> no, no. I, 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 doubt I dug that. this up from a potter's field. Yeah. I, I doubt that. But um, what she had that I really liked, um, I mean, that was cool, of course. But right next to that, there were some museum quality pieces of um, history from different um, haunted spots, like an original hotel key from, I think it was the Crescent Hotel. And uh, so it was a cool, like, skeleton-looking key, and then it was in a frame with some nice. description and an old picture. It was but all my, bloody. But my favorite was the Haunted Charlotte. Not Haunted Charlotte, sorry. Everything's haunted at the Haunted American <laughs> Conference. It's uh, the Frozen Charlotte doll, that was in this, you know, museum quality case. It's this tiny little cupid doll looking thing, which um, was, yeah, distributed <laughs> widely in the 1800s. There were like a penny a piece, and there's a story that goes along with it. So Charlotte was kind of a fancy girl, and she went to a party with her boyfriend, and she didn't want to cover up her dress on the way home. And they were in like a, a open horse and carriage, or it might have even been uh, like a, a sled, uh, a horse-drawn sled, because it's in the middle of winter. And she didn't want to cover up her pretty party dress with her coat. So um, she wouldn't refuse to put her coat on. And by the time she got home, she was frozen solid. And so this was a popular story of Frozen Charlotte. And they wait. What about her boyfriend? Like, what a jerk! Well, like he just let her freeze solid. <laughs> like he sees like her arms and everything, and she's like going blue. Well, and he okay, goes, we don't guess. You should have put that coat on. I think, huh? I think it's just one of those yeah, cautionary tales. Stupid Charlotte. Well, I think this is just one it of those cautionary happen. tales. You're gonna die in because, this carriage. Because when you hear like you know old fairy tales and old wives' tales, you know a lot of times. You know, they're kind of brutal and scary, but you got to understand they were they were meant to scare they're kids. They're created to. Yeah, well, I understand. It's like, scare, fear. Yeah. it's like a Christmas. Straight. It's like a Christmas superstitions episode. Like everything that yes anybody ever concocted around Christmas was like Monsters. behave or right. something is going to eat you. Well, we got to understand child. That, that parents are just experiencing desperation now as they ever have right you know that right. it, it was true in the past just as well that um they had to make up these horrible stories and then these these uh these dolls these frozen charlotte dolls oh. became very very popular and they were available for a penny a piece and um was it like all blue um, I was wondering about that. Yeah, she she like what made Charlotte frozen? I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, in the the particular one it didn't move. That yeah. Well, I think you know it's just made out of stone. So um, ah. so maybe that the the fact that it, it's a little doll made out of stone, you know, or yeah. some hard material made it really cheap to produce. But that maybe that w- was frozen what Charlotte. was frozen about it. Its arms and legs don't move because it's frozen. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it's like oh. It was easy to make because I didn't. Ha- we didn't have to make the arms and legs move <laughs> right. or make it flexible in every way because it's frozen. So I just kind of went with the story. But anyway, it's just one of those cautionary tales again. But it became very popular. And this particular one that was in the April Slaughter piece that was available at the raffle was very small. And she said that it was used as a bath toy. I had read in that in uh, in previous. Uh, sources that actually people would put them in cakes eat like the, the cake, king's cake and, sure yeah and then you'd get a frozen charlotte and oh, you were the winner yeah because nothing says party <laughs> like a like frozen a fro- dead girl <laughs> in your cake <laughs> look at that hey guys she can't move so it just gives you an idea of you know how in the past death was something that you faced on a daily basis so right. even in children's toys it was part of the, the backstory. I think that's uh, a good way to put it. In the past, death was just something around. Because right. number one, I mean, the infant mortality rate was like 50%. So people were dealing with that, your little brother, your little sister. Like those things were happening all the time. And we had your wake in the house. Yeah. And something so. I was thinking about a lot this weekend was uh, Ouija boards. 
because Ouija board stuff was everywhere. Yeah, it was. You know, a girl had a Ouija board dress on. Yeah, that was cute. cute. That was really cute. I really liked that Ouija board dress. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. And there were different types of talking boards that were being sold. And it made me think about, uh, I was listening to the Jim Harold podcast a couple weeks ago and they had a Ouija board expert on. Oh, yeah. And he was talking about how the original Ouija board marketing was like a family playing it all together. <laughs> and, you know, do you think about spiritualism in the late 19th century and early 20th century? And they have m- millions of people die in the First World War. How many people died in the American Civil War? Um you very likely, I mean, I know people that didn't even, like during the Gulf War, didn't even know a single person in the army, didn't even know a single oh, person yeah, that served. Yeah. You know, they'd be like, yeah, I don't even know anybody in the army. You're like, oh, okay. Um, well, back then, it really was a different Everybody. Thing. Everybody yeah. served or everybody, so everybody knew someone that died. And uh, so the, if they were trying to talk to a dead person, the Ouija board stuff, that's what I thought made it interesting that because yeah. now you know people are like whoa I, I saw a post in darkness radio's facebook group yesterday and somebody's like oh i had a weird experience with the ouija board and all these people responded like "Ooh, that ouija board's gonna get you you know like milton bradley's gonna sell a doorway to hell like in kb toys or whatever like you know what we're just gonna <laughs> we're just gonna let's open up the gates it's 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 like 11.99 and you can talk to the devil himself that's right uh, like like that's really gonna happen you know and so everybody had this attitude about it that i see all the time like oh the ouija board i'm like would you just watch the exorcist too many times like it's not really if the talking boards even work is all they're talking to demons like get get out of here well we should do a an episode about that alone sometime because Right. comes up all the time. I just thought it was really into, like all the Ouija stuff we saw this weekend yeah. and just hearing that guy talking about the family doing it. And it, you're talking about Frozen Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Thinking ab- about uh, different perspectives, that historical perspectives. The historical perspectives in the you know 1800s, early 1900s, very different than today. Mm-hmm. And you know how everything is so cleaned up for us and we're just like separated from some of the you know very important realities of life and i think i think you know that people who are involved in the paranormal in a way part of the reason is is to get back to that connection with sure with death i mean come on the original funeral parlor parlor was your parlor was your parlor yeah and mom would even talk about when she was growing up she's like oh yeah you just the dead person would just be in front of somebody's house. Right. And so we put up the black curtain and like, that's what you did. And now, can you imagine a dead person in your house? No, no. You'd be like, somebody's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have a funeral in your home. You'd be like, get out of here. Like, I live in a studio. Well, yeah, when you look at it though, it's like, um, why is it more natural though to have somebody in your family taken somewhere else? You know, you're completely separated from the death process. Well, because it people make more money when you don't think about it. Right. I think. Well, is, is I, the, I the think that's line. the re, you know what what happened there. But speaking a different yeah. perspective. But it's also it's also difficult. Like the person was living, and now it's it's a you know it's a lifeless body. So having that around, I don't know. I think. That's no, why, I understand. Like, I understand why people would want it. To right. I I, th- I just think that the the connection to the fact that death is a part of life. Yeah. It might be better if we all just got might a little be a closer stronger to stronger connection. Well, and also you know? we, we people might not be so freaky about it. Like somebody's sick, you go to the hospital. Somebody's injured, you call the uh, paramedic, and they they go away right away. And so we don't have that. You know, this is where this person was injured right in my home. This is you know this is where the blood was. I'm not saying that would be a pleasant thing, but it might make us stronger. Mm kind of thing yeah um but speaking of different perspectives right the next speaker <laughs> was somebody who i've bit i've written i've i'm sorry i've read a thousand of her books rosemary ellen guiley ah. that's right and connects to the ouija board too and and not everything being demonic because what she was talking about was very different than was the gin what we're used to so the gin d-j-i-n-n that's where genies come from yeah the the Western concept of the genie is taken from the Islamic uh, concept of the jinn. Mm-hmm. And basically the jinn 
are kind of like angels, maybe. Well, they they came into the world at the same time angels came into the world according to the Quran, but they're different species, I guess you would say. They're made of a smokeless fire. That's right. You know, whereas we're angels made are made of, of light. Dirt. Right. right. We're made of dirt. Uh, today yeah. I smell like it. And, <laughs> right. And uh, the other thing is that uh, you know I, it all began according to this uh, interpretation of this presentation uh, when. The angels, they agreed to kneel to us. They agreed to um, kowtow to humans. And the jinn refused to submit. In fact, they said nay, nay. Oh, <laughs> wow. So the, the jinn, um, they uh, made a deal, I guess, with the creator that um, they could make their case against humanity and not having you know, to submit to humanity until judgment day. So their whole stated purpose uh, is to undermine us because, you know, they're trying to prove that, you know, we're nothing special. And, I, you know, I don't know that, that uh, God should... Um, What's sh- he going to do? Us out, throw us out with the bathwater? I don't, I don't know exactly what their ultimate goal is, but to, to prove to God, I guess, that they, they shouldn't have to submit to us. But uh, basically... The jinn are, they can be good, they can be evil, they can be tricksters. I mean, she made the jinn, first of all. Uh, so, Rosemary Allen Guy's written books about vampires and ghosts and witches. And I mean, oh, if, she's got some great encyclopedias. Like, I have her encyclopedia that's all about ghosts. I don't know the exact name of it, but really incredible work. Just, you know, so much detail. And the book is like, just like. <laughs> <laughs> like two inches thick, at least. She, wow. She's well researched. Yeah. But she was just straight up, and she's like, there is no like, well, the jinn are they real? Are they, you know, what's happening here? She's like, the jinn are real, and they're coming for your cheese. Like it really was just. <laughs> she's like, the jinn, they're outside this room right now, and if we go, <laughs> if we go outside, they'll. No, I mean, it was more like they're in this room right now. They're right. all, they're, they're among everywhere. us. Yeah. Because the jinn can shapeshift yeah so they can be anything they can look like a normal human but if you see a human that's not quite like right right looking then then it's me <laughs> usually usually that's just me but if it's not mike it's the gin <laughs> but yeah it was like a unified theory of the paranormal because the gin are out of the the hidden ones she said they're like the great deceivers they can appear as anyone or anything at any time and live, you know, beyond their lifetime. So, you know, they're really hard to track. You know, yeah. they can, they can um, uh, curse families or, you know, besiege families uh, generation upon generation. <sighs> was her point? It's brutal. So you don't want to get in bad with the, right with the gin. You just want to stay under their radar, apparently. But you know what was interesting is that you know she's saying all these incidents of high strangeness of men in black of of demons ghosts uh aliens the uh, old cryptids. hag she really she yeah. was on like the old hag and like night terrors and and when you have that kind of the freezing that suppression that that uh, pressure on your chest well that's night. that's the gin baby yeah well well the idea was that you know all of these things could have a, you know a central cause it could be the the gin shape shifting to appear in many different forms. And she said, you know, we don't really know what what their actual form is, that they, sh- they shapeshift so much, you know, who knows what they're, they originally were. Yeah. And God gave them like another dimension to live. So God's like, here you go. Oh, right. Live so in the, this other dimension. Hence the connection to the fairies, the fairy realm, because, you know, some fairy researchers think that fairies um, are creatures just like us, except they live in another dimension. And yeah. so, you know, that idea that the, the, the jinn have a, a, a dimension um, alongside ours and can come in and invade at any time. So, you know, to me, it was an interesting uh, perspective changing presentation that, that we should, you know, rethink these things and maybe consider that it could be one kind of deceiving force that's behind sure. it all. I think Rosemary is well spoken. Yeah, very much so. But I don't buy the gin. 
Okay. Just oh. I, I know there's a lot of people skeptical of, be, of this theory. Be, right. I know there's a lot of people skeptical of the fact that there's no evidence that Jin exists. Like, okay. You could be like Bigfoot. Yeah, people, Bigfoot is a is a creature that exists because it's a creature we just haven't discovered yet. You could be aliens come from a different planet and life exists on other planets. So we pretty much know that life has got to exist in the universe because the universe is so big and there's so many chances for it to exist. If you're just going to tell me that some dude talked about this in the Quran and you expect me to believe it, get out of town. You know, like, I'm just saying, people have weird things happen to me. Because she, she's like, oh, shadow people are jinn. Well, I'm like, no, that, that doesn't mean anything. It, it seemed like it's just a nice, convenient package to put anything that's paranormal that's ever been seen. Because it was like, Mothman, he's a jinn. Bigfoot, he's a jinn. Shadow people are jinns. Robin Williams in Aladdin, ETs. he's a jinn. Right. Well, he actually is a gin. <laughs> right. Well, no, but it just, you know, and I, I, I get that was, that was the point, but it's like, oh man, it's all just going to be lumped into one group. Right. You and know, I don't and know. you're sticking this then with a, a belief system. Right. Well, well that's I, true. I'm just thinking it's another way to look at it. I'm, it is. I'm, you know, that's a good point. I, I would have liked to have seen more historical documentation because I thought, wow, this is, you know, like you're saying, Mike, where's the evidence? Well, you know, where's the evidence for any of this? But, well, no, there's uh, Bigfoot feet prints. Oh, yes. Like we have the Bigfoot feet. And that's, that's a creep. <laughs> <laughs> there's big feet or little foot. And we'll, we and we'll know talk you got about, big foot feet. For, we'll face, no, I've got. Hey, we gotta I've post got to post a picture of I've got of those tiny little dogs. Big feet. But the, <laughs> but the fact is, um, so there's evidence of Bigfoot. People see a UFO. You know, I've seen a shadow person. I know other people have seen shadow people. Are you going to just tell me, oh, yeah, well, you know, this is all explained in the Quran. What? No, it wasn't. Well, okay. So I think um, well, in paranormal presentations in general, they're strongest when they're evidence-based, when they go back to documents, and they, they take you through the documents to show you the connections. So, you know, certainly that would have made a presentation about something as revolutionary as this more hard-hitting if you would have gone back to the documents and really made connections between these phenomena and that, and the idea just, of the it's gen. not just that it's, you're just telling me genies are real genies are real and they're trying to take over our planet it's a little far out there and i think that rosemary is a very persuasive speaker and she's an excellent writer but i'm just saying we got to start with the base. When you go to church and somebody's talking about Jesus or whatever, you're like, okay, we're all agreeing here that Jesus is real. I'm going to church, so I accept that fact. When you're in a presentation and somebody's like, okay, genies, like I dream of genie, like Barbara Reed, she's real, baby. And then she's, she really tried to kill. Well, know. that is your dream, Mike. But, <laughs> but the, the point is, I, under, I understand your skepticism, but all of this stuff, taking all of the stuff in, is a leap of faith, and it's just another uh, perspective. Yeah. And you know what I would have liked to see more of it, and you know, hopefully we, you know, I will be able to see more of this in the future. Uh, and I would like to really get uh, Rosemary's uh, books on the subject. No, we're gonna have Rosemary um, on the show. We'll yeah, on the show. It, it would be cool to ask her about um, gin experiences in other countries, and. You know, to find out what some of that uh, is, like like what people's experiences have been. Well, now, and you went to a special seminar with Rosemary afterwards I did. last I, night. Yeah, last night, um, and, and so after hours event. Are you still a, wearing the... A psychic protection event. Okay, so how did you get the psychic... Did you have to bring something to the psychic protection event? Well, I think that would have been a good idea because <laughs> at, at, at the end, um, she invited us to, you know, have an object... Uh, with us like a special object like a stone or an amulet or uh, some form of jewelry that you could charge with uh, protective energy. You could use your phone. And, and I just I had like a time. I, I, with you I, time. <laughs> I did have a phone so I, I could have think thought of that if you if it's got protective energy do you have to plug that in or what's the deal? Like, is <laughs> well, there a USB? It, it comes from you. It comes from your energy field and which was interesting to me because she talked about how the the most compelling part of it was this idea that, you know, some people really can command a room. They come in, you feel them, you know, like 
yards away almost coming down the hallway or, or coming up to you. You feel them before they even get to you. I see that when alpha males walk in the room. Yeah. And then I'm well, like, I cower and I go into the corner. Well, as you should. But that's their energy field coming at you would be her argument. And that they're able to push their energy out. Whereas people that are a little bit more mousy, um, they have like kind of low energy and are keeping their energy field close to themselves. Okay. And uh, which I feel I do a lot. But uh, anyway, so it was interesting, you know, this whole idea of expanding your energy field out. And she talked about using meditation to do that. Uh, she talked about... So what was, the, uh, what was the biggest tip you got from it? Well, uh, that you should meditate every day to try yeah, to strengthen your aura, that. that that's, you know, the main way to do it. And that... Uh, she recommended too uh, going to a, a medical qigong practitioner. What's that? Um, I never so, heard of that. Before. So that's a form of energy work. Um, I believe it's Chinese in origin. So like it's Reiki like or some Tai Chi, but um, it's where you you move the energy through your body, and there there are uh, practitioners in China that are quite sought after, that are able to do some apparently amazing things. So she said, you know, find a medical Qigong practitioner and have them check your energy field. Because if there's any beings out there that are non-physical, if there really are, she said, well, they derive their uh, energy through you, basically. I mean, they can derive some energy from a place, but, you know, they really would like to get an attachment to you. And uh, suck well, some of your life energy And she talked off. about that with the gin too. Yeah. She's like, they get attached to you Ooh. and that they can be spider-like beings yeah. in your back. The just like the just called like them. The I like that idea. The Doctor Who episode, Planet of the Spiders, when the, the spiders are on Sarah Jane's back and they control yeah. her. Yeah, she talked about them um, attaching to the top of your spine, so right underneath the nape of your neck. So that that was really interesting for me, just the visualization of, of but that. But I, I think that's good message to everybody that meditation yeah you know oh like, and we know meditation is good for you but right. i like try, the idea try of to get out of your own head for 10 minutes a day exploring energy and you'll work be a stronger person is you know the message that i got out of i don't it, know if i buy the reiki stuff or anything yet like well but, she did mention reiki but she doesn't she has yeah. um she has a background in, in some of uh, energy work but she said she, she never has taken a, a reiki class. i don't know that i buy acupuncture honestly well it's all up for debate, but, yes, um, but she did recommend acupuncture as well. So acupuncture sure, against the gym, um, but or a, against any form of attack <laughs> to strengthen your energy field. But I think it's a good message: the idea that get out of your own head for a little bit, take care of yourself, take care of, like that's going to make the strongest defense against anything negative is you not being <laughs> negative, you know, and trying to trying to realize that you are not your thoughts well and it's just again another way to look at it so i i was inspired you know i think i'm going to look into some energy work and i'm um, doing energy work on you right now yes <laughs> yeah i can feel you drilling into my brain um but, well, but get some you know qigong and see what that's like i would yeah no i just give you a lobotomy <laughs> speaking of lobotomies so that was the the one of the presentations was on the trans allegheny Lunatic, lunatic asylum. asylum. That's right. That was the final presentation and, of the day. And actually. when you call something a lunatic asylum, like you're not even trying to couch your words or well, anything. Well, that was like the old. That, that was like, the original name of it, and then it changed names like four times. Sure, because in the, in the '90s, nobody was calling but anything it, a lunatic asylum. It was. It was a lunatic asylum, and then it was. Then they changed it to an insane asylum, and then it was like a I don't know medical something. And right, the, because you can't just right. be like, well, you're going to the insane. No, asylum. but I mean it's. It's old, so... <laughs> right. And the presenter was uh, Sherry Blake from hauntedhistory.net, I believe. She did a good job with the history. She did a good job yeah. with the, uh, the newspaper articles. You know, I really Oh, yeah, her that. present... Actually, I thought hers, hers was one of my favorites. I like the fact that she said in the 50s, lobotomies were more popular than tonsillectomies. That's right. There were more lobotomies performed than tonsillectomy that's crazy right and the fact that there was this guy and we're gonna have to do a whole full episode oh my on this goodness. lobotomist but at the, that particular asylum that's mm -hmm. like where he kind of started off he could do lobotomies in 10 minutes just take that ice pick and ram it into oh, your, right eye. In your eye oh you're all done oh man it you're, was you're gonna feel a slight, slight twinge it was so good <laughs> it was so good so we're sitting there oh, no. watching the presentation and then 
You know, we all know what a lobotomy is because we've all seen uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So we all know, you know, what happens to Jack Nicholson and then uh, spoilers for a right. 30, 34 year old movie. So movie. Good. Like the, the, the big Indian can't handle the fact that Jack Nicholson's personality is destroyed, so he kills him and runs away. And uh, lobotomies, that's the whole, there's a movie called Sucker Punch about a girl in an insane asylum. And the whole thing is that it's like a countdown to a lobotomy. I feel like that's part of Return to Oz, too. Well, I can't remember, but certainly it, it had a big uh, effect on our culture. And you see that reverberated in, yeah. you know, the way the pop culture treats it today. But, you know, these things were real. These um, the terrible this, interventions. Yeah, and they said, like, if somebody's personality was so troublesome, we're going to remove your personality. But it was so good because it's the ice pick through the eye. <sighs> and Wendy didn't know that. And then oh, I didn't know that. they show the picture of it. And she's like, <laughs> I shrieked. I shrieked out loud. Cause, but it was an actual photograph of a guy with like the pick in his eye socket. Like one of those old black and white photos and it was disgusting. It was just one of those great... It shocked me. It was it just really, one of those great moments. Like you're sitting there watching something. Oh, you know, and this is somebody crapping their pants. Like, yeah! And even like... My you, my, my own shriek even like scared me. Like, because I was like not expecting it. I was just like... Oh. Anyway. And, and so her presentation was really good. I kind of... She didn't tell too many ghost stories about the Trans Allegheny Museum. It was very historical, and she talked about the horrible treatments treatments that they gave people, and the just the the overpopulation of the place, and so you could see where a lot of troubled souls might result from that mm-hmm. that might hang around, and and it's I mean she yeah was the that haunted. made sense. And Christopher St. Booth, who um, well he talked about Waverly Hills Sanitarium in Louisville, Kentucky a lot on his episode mm. if you're into sanitariums he just released a book on Waverly Hill Sanitarium so we'll have to link to that in the show notes too if you're into sanitariums because I know Madison has a haunted one too yeah the north side of Madison they have uh, we should check that out we run field trip I, I ran by it in the Madison Marathon like you run oh, right cool. by it, cause it, it and it's also the highest point in the marathon too so I was gonna go crazy I'm like oh god um, but her presentation was good. Troy Taylor, the guy that ran the whole yes. thing, he put on uh, a nice presentation with his writing partner, Renee Cruz. Yep, that's right. And I thought that they had a nice, like... She's been here forever. Since it was the 20th, uh, it was a 20th yeah, convention. I not think the, she's probably not, been at every one. Not, well, she wasn't at the first one. Oh, okay. Not the 20th not, anniversary, but it, the, but it was the 20th <laughs> convention. But they told a lot of stories about their experiences with ghost hunting. Yeah, and my favorite was when Trey talked about um, being, you know, kind of, uh, kind of fooled into coming, you know, or duped into coming to uh, uh, a haunted um, farm in Northern and, Indiana. So yeah, he was and, coming from St. Louis to Northern yeah, Indiana. Yeah, and you know, these people were really bothering him to come, and he he reluctantly said, "Okay, I'll come." And then then he finds out when he he gets there that they believe the barn is haunted by fairies. And then he was like, <laughs> "Bye," and because he he really uh, his his opinion seemed to go towards the you know more more um straight-laced ideas of you know ghosts are ghosts and you know that's what he's interested in yeah and not so much other phenomena because ghosts is something you can believe in because you can think that the spirit after we die like maybe goes somewhere or if you're a religious person you automatically believe that the spirit goes somewhere after you die but when you're saying like no no there's these little creatures that live in the woods and uh, sometimes they have tea with Arthur Conan Doyle. Okay, well, well, but that's that comes from you know our, our maybe a, a misinformed idea of what what fairies are. You know, yeah. rather than just some kind of uh, trans-dimensional uh, being Energy or something. Yeah. Right. Um, but anyway, so the, the compelling part of the story was he's in there in the barn, and uh, oh, the the people say, well, we have to put out chocolate cake and Jim Bean whiskey. For the fairies, that's what they like, and then they'll show Fairy up. Food. And he's like, what? "I do." Just, just a message and to the listeners: I do too. <laughs> so if you can he, leave it out for me, I'll show up. He's like, "What? Why am I here?" And then they put out the the treats for the fairies and turn out the lights. And you know, sure enough, he hears something quite big going over and start munching on the cake. And he turns on the flashlight. Big surprise! Not a fairy; it's a big rat. <laughs> So anyway, he's really upset about being there at this point. Just feels trapped. Because he drove like eight hours. Yeah. That's the other side of the planet. Right. So he's just sitting there in the dark in the barn, you know, really wondering about his life choices. And (laughs) 
And then I'm feeling that right suddenly now. he hears this weird sound as it's almost like it sounds like a screen door opening, some kind of weird sliding sound which he can't place. And then as that's um, going on, and just before that sound actually as well, there's two horses in the barn and they start like stomping and snorting in unison. And then the, the sliding sound comes and then, you know, he's looking around, you know, it feels like the atmosphere has changed in some way. And then the, the, on the other side of the barn, it just lit up this, this very, very bright, hard to look at light. And of course, he's thinking, "Is it a car? Is it you know?" But he's out in the middle of nowhere, so <laughs> that that explanation doesn't make sense. And it, it even makes less sense when the light actually comes into the barn. Yeah. And they watch this blinding light cross through the barn and then pass through the other side. And he's never experienced anything like that. And that's interesting because there's a very similar story, something that happened in uh, the Madison uh, jail in 1872. Oh, that's was right. A, a circle of light had passed through huh. the jail and into uh, one of the cells, and the people were freaking out about it. So maybe well, it was that a was a cool story that he told because, he, yeah, knowing that he was skeptical going into it, and then he came out of it. Maybe that was fairies in the Madison jail. Thinking something clearly is mm-hmm. different here. That was a good story, and then the speaker after Troy was Scotty Roberts. Scotty, <laughs> we know from the Paradigm Symposium, and then we party with him all weekend too. It was fun. And he gave Scotty. a really great talk about. Uh, his Egyptian travels like and studies and, and a personal experience that he had, which was, was really cool because it was a different kind of thing from the paradigm, which was very scientific, very factual, mm-hmm. very scholarly. And this was him sharing some of the experiences that he couldn't explain. His feelings. That were more emotional. Yeah, exactly. So I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. That aspect of it. It was, it was pretty fun. And, and he's gone to Egypt multiple times, him and his partner, John Ward. And, um, They've done because John Mort has a whole dig site out there, doesn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah, and they've done a whole bunch of archaeological stuff, and he's got books about his research and everything. Which and he talked read. about, you know, the the story of Moses and how that connects to an ancient Egyptian grand vizier. Okay, what? which but, is like somebody who can stand in for the pharaoh, right? Like the second in command, right? Like, like the pharaoh's vice president. Oh, right. And so the idea he really connected it to how this particular pharaoh's vice president might be the historical Moses. And so he went, talked about the dates, and it was, it was cool because half of it was almost like, here's where we could try to find the historical Moses. And what I thought was mm-hmm. interesting is he connected that to, you know, Moses had the experience of the burning bush. You know, God's talking to him. He's like, I'm going to give you some commandments to write down in the stone tablet. I'm going to take care of it. I'm talking, I am a bush that's alive and talking to you. I'm Yahweh. And how that was a personal experience. His story was a personal experience. Much like, I mean, nobody was there. Right. Nobody else was there when Moses was around. Like he, Moses was just like in the desert talking to a bush. And his experience was solitary as well. So I liked it how it was tracing the history of Moses and at the same time relating it to the fact that Moses had a personal experience and his experiences in Egypt were personal as well. Right. He had his own subjective spiritual mm-hmm. experience there, which is, you know, kind of too detailed and personal to get into at this point. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it was, um, you know, a beautiful thing that he was able to share that. That was cool. Yes, it was nice. It was nice. And uh, Scotty was regaling us all weekend with interesting EVPs oh, yeah. and stories and, and things that he'd cool. experienced when he was at Gettysburg. Because he was the, I didn't realize that he was the TAPS editor for their magazine. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. So he was the editor of their magazine. And so he'd done a bunch of stuff with the guys from the Ghost Hunters and had gone out on some, you know. And so he was talking about the weird things like when a ghost like said his name. Or everything oh, like wow. EVPs where it says like, "Hey, Scotty." I'm like, and, Whoa, and, cool. and Scotty is another Wisconsinite. That's right. He lives yes. in New, New Richmond. New Richmond. So it's um, just, just outside of the, of the Twin Cities. And I, I just, I just want to say that you know this was great to be back at the conference. So many amazing speakers, 
And um, beyond that, also to see, you know, all the, the vendors to reconnect with some people in fact. Oh, man, we haven't years. even talked about oh, the museum that, tra- you know, the, the traveling museum of the paranormal and occult. We'll put some pictures in there because uh, I looked in the black mirror. So did I. So did I. We all did. And I uh, saw something terrifying. A double chin. <laughs> right. I, I, I saw how old I was getting. Yes. Which is horrible, horrible. But we'll show you the pictures. Better than of, the We'll show you the pictures of us looking into the black mirror. And we'll right. put more stuff about the travel museum of the paranormal. And, they call. Right. and we'll and have Greg and Dana on the show sometime. Yeah, Greg and Dana Newkirk. From Planet Greg Weird. Greg and Dana Newkirk from, from uh, Planet Weird uh, and The Weekend Weird. Uh, they're they're just amazing, and they couldn't have been nicer. No, they really couldn't have been nicer. And, and I don't trust them. <laughs> just such, such amazing <laughs> artifacts. Yeah, that's cool. And they also told me, uh, Greg told me this story about, um, they have a, a plaster cast of an orang pendek print, and he, he talked about uh, they, uh, being on Finding Bigfoot. They were on Finding Bigfoot this season, and um, one of the amazing things about it was was meeting Cliff from Finding Bigfoot, but also finding out that Cliff actually is so interested in orang pendek research. And orang pendek, if you don't know what that is, that's actually uh, nicknamed Littlefoot. It's a three foot creature, like a Sasquatch, but just smaller. Little um, baby Bigfoot. Yeah, baby yeah. Bigfoot. That's, <laughs> that's been reported, you know, by native people for, you know. But instead uh, of running, they hug him. Millennia. Right. You just feel like, oh my compelled God, I gotta give to, you to a hug. hug the little furry guy. But, but anyway, he's been seen by people in Indonesia, and that's an archipelago that, that has thousands of islands and it's very remote. So it's very possible that there could be some unknown primate that's there, and it also connects with uh, Homo florensiensis. Look it up, people. But anyway, that's the Hobbit. Uh, yes, look it up. Uh, anyway, it's so so amazing that Cliff from Finding Bigfoot actually pays people in Indonesia out of his own pocket to um, go around and look for uh, evidence of orang pendek. So that's where they actually got that is the, amazing, the, the print pays from. Them, he only pays them 10 cents an hour, so that, he's actually exploiting not, the people oh of Indonesia. Oh my gosh, that is not true. That is terrible. Um, but anyway, he's a nice guy, and the, you know the fact that he's paying for this out of his own pocket is an incredible contribution. And um, it makes me even doubly excited to see you know, if there's any evidence that comes out of that. I hope we find that magical cryptid. So Little too. foot. Orang- I think it's gonna happen. My favorite cryptid. Orangadak. That's no, right. orang pendek, Mike. Oh man, <laughs> he's a cross between which- an orangutan, a penguin, and, uh, uh, and something else. And Mike. And a duck. And a duck. Well, we're about to get kicked out of our hotel room. Okay, yes, so we gotta go. We're out of anyway, time. Now, no, the so Haunted America fun. Conference. We had a really fun time. Great weekend. Yes. So. Bye. <laughs> bye, everybody. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Another great thing about the Haunted America Conference was meeting all of the open-minded and open-hearted people who were there to talk about the mysteries of the universe and to search for truth and meaning in the world. And that's something that in our song Cynical, from the Sunspot album Cynical, uh, we talk about that feeling when you get lost in cynicism and skepticism and start feeling like there's no kind of mystery in the world. And so there's a line in this song that says, I will search no more for truth or meaning again. And the kind of cool people that we met this weekend are definitely the kind of people who won't stop searching for that truth and meaning. So here's Sunspot's track, Cynical. As I sit here just existing, nothing moves me, I am listening. Desperate for some inspiration to break my lowered expectations. Darkness of a world so bright
Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. The gin are real, and they're coming for your cheese.